All right, we're back on, back recording. Good to go. Give me a level just before we start. The Sleeper Awakens. <laughs> All right. Hello, Patreon people, and welcome to an episode of Something New to Watch, where we talk about things that are currently in cinemas or on TV. Usually things that are somewhat related to the things we've already talked about. Or just irresistible in their own right. Exactly. Sometimes both. Sometimes both. Yeah. And this time, we went and watched the movie we mentioned was coming up so many times in the review of the book. We went and saw Dune. <laughs> the Missionaria Protectiva planted the, the belief that the movie would come. <laughs> okay. But eventually, a year or so late, it did. Exactly. And I was really excited for this film. I'd known, see, I'd known about the other film. I'd heard, it was one of these culturally important things we discussed and everything. And I knew about the book, but I was excited to see them doing this aversion. The cast looked cool and I was all ramped up. And it kind of didn't disappoint. Kind of didn't disappoint. Yeah. That's it's, a weirdly hedged review. It is. And that's interesting. And I mean, we're much more casual when we're doing our Patreon stuff. Thank you for for supporting and all that, but like, I'm just going to get right into it. I was really, really excited when we left the theater. I was really loving it. And as it is sit in, like, sat in my mind, it has slid, and I didn't expect it to, and I'm really confused as to why. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Okay, so stylistically, I loved it, and I'm still loving it. They hit the sci-fi, like, itch I was looking for on the head. This thing is beautifully visual and, like, yes, awesome, yes, yes, yes. And they didn't do the mystery and intrigue story as much. And I was really confused at first. I'm like, when I, w when I knew about Dune as a book, before I'd read it, I'd known it as this sci-fi epic of drama. And I was excited for it. And then listening to it, it was this, like, political intrigue mystery with a really long sequence about, like, who's the betrayer and who's, the, like, there's a mystery element and there's darting accusations and multiple people and groups that could be not just the big powers, but different groups on Arrakis that might have reasons to attack Duke Leto and all of this. And then the reveal is surprising and interesting, and you're excited. And in the movie, it's just like, we showed up, and we knew we were going to get stabbed, and then this guy stabbed me, and I'm dead. And there's a fight, and we keep going, because they don't have as much time to draw out a mystery story. And so, like, the part of me that was like, ooh, I get to see the intrigue story, is kind of like fighting the... The part of me that loved space drama to tell me, but that's not what you started liking the book for. This is exactly what you thought it might have been before you knew better. And I didn't expect that. That's interesting. And you know, you're, you're right. I hadn't thought about that element being missing because what did show up on the screen, I think, was ex extremely well done. But you're right. The book had this combination of it was a war story. But it was also a Jean Le Carré intrigue and spy and counter-espionage kind of story. 
and they left all, most of that spy story out of it. They, they had just enough to keep the war story moving. I mean, they, they take out enough of it that, his, that um, Paul Atreides' breakdown in the tent in the desert doesn't even fit anymore, because you don't have half of the political intrigue machinations that he's been raised on as part of what's in there. There's no Mentat references, so him being part that doesn't matter if you're not going to introduce what mentats are and you've got to explain what mentats are to have some of the the intense mathematics and intrigue fight going on because the fight between the mentat and jessica is an entire part of the story well to be fair they do have mentats in the movie well they do have it they just don't explain what they're doing they don't I think it's kind of clear that they are the calculating aides, the human computers helping the nobles. They don't explain why they are necessary and how they can do what they do. They don't talk about the jihad that got rid of all computers, all thinking machines. But you're right in that they make no mention whatsoever about having given Paul Mentat training since he was an infant. And that's so important to the way that that kind of breakdown in the tent works in the book. So, yeah, it's a very condensed version, but it makes it a little bit more of the, in, oh, it makes it a little bit more of the sci-fi drama. It makes it a little bit more of a competition for other sci-fi things that have been on screen instead of an interpretation of the book in that sense. It's an interpretation of Dune, the cultural concept, as much as it is of Dune, the book. And it's great at that. But it does mean that it's got that part. Parts of it have been sandblasted away if you're a <laughs> fan of the book. And I didn't even quite. I liked the book, but I wasn't diehard. I want to go read the next ones yet. But I'm enough of a mystery fan. It bugged me and I didn't expect it to. And that makes, makes talking about this movie, and I'm sure it made making this movie very difficult because the movie has been mined by so many other things since it was released in the 60s, that so many things that were original to this story don't seem very original anymore. And you've got to pick and choose what to emphasize in any adaptation. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the long and winding path that Dune has had from the 60s until now makes that all the more difficult. They are doing a good job in this film. And this film does not cover the entire book. This film covers up to a point a little past halfway. Yeah, and I think that was wise. It was very wise of them. Was it wise of them to do this without a guarantee they would get a chance to make a second movie? No. Fortunately, I heard today that they've now confirmed a second movie coming out in 2023. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, this is Dune Part 1. Uh... But, I mean, it gets only through part way of it, but they're definitely leaning in on the the struggle of the people and the who is in charge and the power narrative in some ways. They're just not keeping the political court intrigue as focused. They're making it more about the Fremen in some ways, which is very good. And that definitely leads into a pared down version if they're going to give... If they're doing two-thirds of the book in the first film, that means that they've got plenty of time to be able to really dive in with the styling for the second, which is good then. And styling is also one of the things they were doing a lot of setup here. My goodness, everything looks brilliant. All the costuming is on point. All the styles of their ships and such is cool. 
there's a little bit of a problem with the fact that you can't really put everyone in full face and head coverings to protect from the the terrible deadly sun without like hiding all of your actors so they get away with some of that yeah a little inconsistency as to when they're wearing their full still suits and you know, when they're hiding from the sun versus marching in the sun uh, arrakis has better ac in the movie than it does in the books for some <laughs> of its buildings but it's it's design is really cool so talk about the design some more the uh okay the, in general the production design for the movie one of I the gather thing- you liked it i <laughs> i was fascinated to read about the fact that they actually kept the design elements from the lynch film and then like stripped it down to the concept and then rebuilt designs from there so color palettes like like if the uh, Atreides are known for their high-colored black outfits, high-colored black outfits again. But they're all pared down and rebuilt to have a consistent style and theme for them. The Arconans have this grotesque blob thing, which is actually more referential to you know, the Yodorowsky's Dune artwork for them in yeah. some ways. We don't see a lot of them, but they gave the Spacers Guild something that looks like it's a 2001 A Space Odyssey in terms of these sleek white suits with the big vac helmets. They had a lot of fun referencing all these other ways Dune has been depicted and then like filtering that through into something that looked consistent from all their places, but also gave each distinct group of people a quick reference note. Although I'm a little annoyed that they did that even with the Sardaukar, which means the Sardaukar aren't hiding. They're just not leaving any witnesses. It's a very different battle tactic, but it's there. But they even give... They even give the the dangerous and dark Sardaukar warriors something that just somehow screamed Master Chief in terms of this like actually it was it was very Warhammer like they have the 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 big shoulder pads that make the heads look small and the giant arms going on it's like I am here to fight you it's like yeah you'll look like it according to every known metric of costume design yeah. here you remember how part of our plan was to disguise you as uh, Harkonnen soldiers so no one would know the emperor is involved so we're not doing that <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay it's like, it's like uh, on paper that works when we look at you. A little harder to do. <laughs> right. You guys really bulked up when you hit the screen, now didn't you? Okay. Yeah, I think the, the design was, was terrific. Very much similar design, aesthetic, similar color palettes, and a lot of things to Arrival, another great movie by Villeneuve, same director. And I did like the degree to which we had some fairly distinct styles from one civilization within this galactic empire to another and and even with everyone having different design styles engines still glowed the same color no matter who you were yeah physics was still physics physics. was but it looked like they were all having the sharing some technology yep their weapons had similar effects shields had similar effects across everybody uh engines and landing gear and everything so it's like everyone was given the same base model truck and then kitted it out with their own style and so when they all showed up to fist fight each other in this parking lot called Arrakis, everyone's <laughs> cars looked different, and it was great. And I liked, to take an example, I liked the design aesthetic they put together for House Atreides. Because they, they really, I thought, did this very thoughtfully and put together elements that made sense. There was a lot of classical Greek 
influence, especially in the decor of the Atreides Palace on Caladan and other aspects of Atreides. And the House Atreides trace themselves back to ancient Greece, mythological Greece. And yet, there were also elements that were seemed very Scottish, even before they had the bagpipes, which made it very clear. Battle bagpipes. It is like somebody finally realized, oh, Caledon, Caledonia, the Latin name for Scotland. This, uh, that's almost the same spelling. And they brought these together in a way that worked. And not to mention the weather in Caledon, more Scottish than Greek. Much more Scottish than Greek. And, 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 and they definitely do a good job of giving you, like, Hi, I, my name's Paul Atreides. I lived on a place where it's raining half the time or more, and, I, and my family listens to bagpipe music while we look over the cliffs at the ocean. <laughs> you ever wondered why I wound up getting really, really mopey and liked wearing all my all black and considering the future? Yeah, there were two, a few scenes where I just kind of look at the way this was shot and think, is, is this a Thomas Hardy movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a Thomas Hardy novel in space. I said that I knew this kid. He shopped at Hot Topic. And by goodness, this guy did shop at Hot Topic <laughs> when they got him on screen. Okay. So I, you mentioned Paul. This is bringing up the characters. What do you think of the way the characters were adapted and portrayed? I thought that they got everyone right but Jessica. They made Jessica so nervous on the outside because they, when you're doing a movie... You can't do internal dialogue and you can't like doing voiceover of what the character is thinking can get really limiting. So they can't have Jessica put on this constantly careful demeanor and then give us the book talk, the, the talk inside her head of like the, well, there's this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and all of these things must happen in perfect order. And oh, goodness, like they kind of do in the book. So she's just a little bit more nervous on the outside and it ruins a bit i i agree she was the weak point in terms of the um the character portrayals and i don't know if it was the acting i don't know if it was the directing probably or some combination of the above but i think it could have been done better without changing a single line of dialogue she just seemed unsure of herself in so many instances she was she's supposed to be fearful somewhat while Paul is undergoing the test of the Gomjabar. But she was practically collapsing, and that's not the only time in the movie we see her like that. And one of the reasons, and that's not only, I think, doing a disservice to the character of Jessica, who is an interesting, strong woman character, but also she has trained Paul. He has received a lot of fighting training, a lot of military training, a lot of court training just from his upbringing but she has trained him in the special fighting techniques and the special manipulation techniques and the special thinking techniques of the Bene Gesserit and that's really what sets him apart from anyone who came before that in his bloodline and for us to believe that that makes Paul as powerful as he later shows himself to be we've got to see that strength in her if she can barely keep it together when under stress, how are we supposed to believe that she was able to teach Paul to be the kind of leader and self-possessed person and not necessarily good person, but effective person 
that he has to be for the story. I think that was a, a big problem with the way they portrayed Jessica. There's moments of action scene where they show Rebecca, where Rebecca Ferguson shows that she could have played the the Jessica we're thinking we needed. Mm-hmm. I just don't think she was given the right script with that co- character of Jessica in there because there wasn't enough. I think they were worried that we weren't going to know how risky things were unless she looked more worried. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah, they could have they could have found another way to convey that or just trusted the audience to know that. Yeah. And and or she can say that something is this is dangerous and this is what we're going to do about it versus I'm barely keeping myself together. But the the rest of the rest of it, I thought it was well cast, and I thought it was well uh, acted. I think um, Timothy Chalamet was um, was was good as Paul. I think that was good casting. He's believable as the fifteen year old trying to figure out how to be a person, as fifteen year olds are, while at the same time dealing with everything he has to deal with, both in his background and the the turn of events. Oh yeah, and Oscar Isaac's. I am so Oscar Isaac's was. <laughs> So great as Leto. That was excellent, and I'm I'm excited to see him in some other stuff. For some reason, his perfect portrayal of uh Leto Atreides here makes me all the more excited for the fact that he's playing Moon Knight later on. Oh, because yes. he can play that calm and collected in the middle of everything going on, but with that like oh no, this is going to be the worst Tuesday I've ever seen kind of feeling, <laughs> then giving him something where he can break and just say that is going to be good. Yeah. He's going to be very good as Spectre. I look forward to Moon Knight. And and part of what's selling the story of, of Dune has to be portraying uh, Duke Leto as someone who is a good leader. And also you recognize that by having the characters around him love him and follow him. And that's where we get really great portrayals from Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho and Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck. Both of them were excellent. They yes. played, They played. Uh, I'm very, very certain of my job and I'm very, very stern about it. It uh, was so do- perfectly done by Josh Brolin. I'm a little worried for Jason Momoa. That, there, that if this franchise gets going too much, he's going to have gotten himself into the most awkward recurring role ever. Because <laughs> I know just enough about the later Dune books to know that Duncan Idaho is not over and does not have a good time every time he shows you, back you, up. You kind of want to hear those phone calls, don't you? Yes. Especially if Jason Momoa has not read the rest of the books. It's like, you know, Jason, we're making another Dune movie. Oh, thanks for letting me know you guys have fun. Uh, no, Jason, we need you here. What? I died. Um, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> How hard can you play bre- mental breakdown? Can you practice that, like, multiple times? Well, We're going to need a lot of takes. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this conversation keeps going, I think I'll have that covered. Would you please explain <laughs> to me what's going on? Exactly. And, um, and, and the, the, uh, the role of uh, Thufur Hawat was diminished in this it was it was just a a less prevalent less important character as far as how much we got to see him and partly because they took away a lot of that intrigue storyline oh yeah but still great character well performed well portrayed and you could see the connection that he had with not just house atreides but with these people and sharon duncan brewster is doing an amazing version of dr liette kynes 
because they they did that switch with this. They changed uh, kinds for the movie, but she's playing it with this the the right kind of like everyone in the room thinks they knows what's going they know what's going on, and I see that they are all fools. And Kynes is such an important character because that's a character that has to portray many different aspects of the story and connect many different aspects of the story with relatively few lines. And and she does a very good job with it. You have to show up on screen and be able to act like someone for whom later scenes rely on the words, I'm a friend of or I know this person. And that's supposed to hold enough weight to move things. Yep. You are acting one scene and setting up the dominoes for 12 more scenes where your existence in the same room as every other actor is giving them legitimacy. And if you cannot play that weight, it's not going to work. And she plays it. You're, there's going to be an entire second movie. Dr. Liet Kynes isn't going to be in it in the same way. But the reference of Dr. Liet Kynes is going to keep happening, and it's going to be able to propel entire interactions in the next film just fine with how well it was done in this. And it's interesting that you're, you're right that we in the first movie, we didn't even get to the plan and so much of what Kynes was was responsible for and moving forward. And but we're going to see that, I am sure, in the second movie after Kynes is no longer there. And yet some things that we saw, I mean, they changed Kynes' death scene. It wasn't incredibly long the way it was in the book, although in the book it was lots of flashbacks to Kynes' upbringing and education and and how you know they developed this plan and had this understanding of ecology. It's where the big ecological themes of the book really, really come in. We don't get that in the movie. And yet with a few statements and also with the design of the set where we see one of the last places we see kinds and where there obviously there is ecological experimentation going on here. And this is all part of a plan. All of that is suggested so well with the design without having the characters stop and say, and this is where we're designing all of the new plants to turn Arrakis green. Yeah, they do a very good job of setting up like if you can see a green plant somewhere. That means that the Fremen are there because right. they are keeping that one alive. It's important to them. Yep. And then when we finally like meet Liet Kynes in, in her environment, it's like, here's multiple walls of old building surrounded by increasingly dense dunes of sand. And then this little tiny office in the center with a giant stack of bonsai trees. And it's like, <laughs> this is, like, according to that, like, all these, like, this one little plant means there's a bunch of Fremen there. And in this one room, there's a sign of more Fremen presence than we've seen everywhere else in one visual note. They don't have to say a thing, but they set that up well. And we don't see the Fremen too much in this movie. They sh they're very important in the, the last act of this first movie, and of course they're going to be huge if they continue the story in the second movie. But what we do see, I think, is done pretty well. And the fact that something they did do well in terms of it functioned in the same way as, as in the book, the Fremen are talked about so much before we ever see them. They're almost mythologized. But the House Atreides is relying upon 
the chance to build an alliance with the Fremen as their chance of salvation and their chance to make something of Arrakis. They think they've got more time than they do, which is the which is why things don't go the way they they hoped, the way Leto hoped. And they've got less time in the movie than they did in the book. Right. But the importance of the Fremen is built up so that there's this sense of expectation when you finally get to see them, even individually or or a group of them. And yet then there's the are these everything we were led to believe? Are these as people as powerful and as valuable as allies as we had thought? And I think for those who aren't familiar with the story already, that might still be an ambiguous point at the end of this first movie. And yet, you know, anybody who knows how movies go, of course, the Fremen are going to be important. But, but they do a good job of setting up that expectation and then not necessarily answering the question right away as to whether these people live up to it. They also do a really good job of, in terms of depicting the Fremen and depicting the things that will come and the importance of things, they play with Paul's visions a lot more. A lot of the things we see of the Fremen first are in his flashes and visions, and they're doing such a good job of showing like groups of armies and the bursting out of the sand flurry of battle which is described more vaguely in his flashes in the books are full scenes on screen we get to watch the thing that in the books he gets bits of but can't quite fully remember we got to see it we get to remember it and my goodness they make them look terrifyingly powerful but hidden when they do that so that when we're introduced to them there's this like they're going to become what we saw and that's scarier. It's like getting to meet a younger version of this, of this, you know, fighting force. It's like, there's all the bits that we saw in those flashes. They're not there yet, but they're already dangerous now. So how dangerous will they be when they're where we saw them? They're going mm-hmm. to arrive. And they're doing that really good setup. But mostly, like, that's the thing. This is a really good setup. It it's reductive and there's parts of me frustrated with how it had to reduce some things, but what it did, it did a lot of it right. I'm excited and I'm happy because it means that people like I used to be who wouldn't have gone and read the book are going to be able to see this and at least get enough of Dune that they might be interested. If people see this movie and like the movie and then go to read the book, are they going to be happy? Are they going to be bewildered? How do you think people are going to react to the book if this movie is what they encounter first. I think that if they if if I think about it, I think they're going to be excited by the version of by the book's version of Jessica more. They might find the the who's going to be the murderer a bit more tedious. The mystery having had a reveal is going to be harder to get behind. But it also might be good because they'll have more reason for why that happened. Hmm. And I think that I think that the people who will go to the book in order to see what happens after where the movie ended will be happy with it and intrigued and excited. That sounds about right. I think you're going to get a lot more people who have read the book in one form or another for the second part who are excited for it. And that actually puts more risk for the second because with the first one, people would say, oh, I'll wait for the movie. 
But there's going to be some people who have now not waited for the second movie. Yeah, they want to know what happens in the second half for 2023. Exactly. And, you know, we talked about characters before. We talked about Jessica. We talked about some of the other characters. We didn't really talk about the Harkonnens. No. It's kind of a problem to give villains that terrible any screen time because you've got to tone down what they do and imply more of it, which they do a fine job of. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad they didn't try to show some of the things that they're known for being awful about. Yeah. But it does mean that you have to rely on... Like, we only actually see the Harkonnens playing the ball game a little more legitimately. They can't hide soldiers. They can't be as absolutely duplicitous. More people survive Harkonnen presence at first than you're used to. And that kind of limits them. And yet we do, without it being too graphic, we do see Raban, played by um, David Bautista. Yes. Very, very good casting there. Uh, we do see him executing bound prisoners with a certain amount of glee. Um, oh, yeah, they're still depicted and, as awful. Yeah, they're awful. So, you know, they're, they, they, they do more telling that the Harkonnens are, are awful uh, from the people who are training Paul, mostly. But we do see that in action enough to back it up. And as far as uh, the Baron Harkonnen, I think Stellan Skarsgård does a good job with that. It's still not the... Harkonnen that I saw in the books and still not the one I'd like to see. And I've talked about that before. You know, I, that's the one thing Yodorowsky got right was that it should be somebody more like Orson Welles, who yeah. is you know, in, intelligent and educated. Just, I'm not saying that Orson Welles is evil. The character, intelligent, evil, wants to appear refined and yet is evil. Instead, we get another floating guy who's a little less subtle, excuse me, who's a little more subtle and a little more graceful than the David Lynch version, but still is not anything that is described in the book as far as I can tell. He's still Mr. Scary Blimp. Yes. He floats around like a balloon and, and menaces. Right. Eh, it, it worked. It worked in this setup, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly right. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. For me, the story has to portray House Atreides and House Harkonnen as more similar yeah. than these do. They are still both great houses of the Lansrod. They are still both you know, vassals of the Emperor. They still are at the close to the height of the civilization that they share. Yeah, this should this should be gold and gold and silver metal groups. Fighting for, fighting for, uh, for first place, and the council that awards medals is afraid that the one of them is going to take over. This yeah. is exactly what it should be, and it's a little bit more like, oh, hello, Baron von Evil, are you being evil today? Yeah, good job. <laughs> so I don't think he should be in a gray evil guy mumu. I think that Harkonnen should be in a finely tailored military uniform that costs more than any 100 people who have uh, ever lived under him would ever imagine seeing in their entire family's lives. And yet it's obvious that he didn't earn it except by being wealthy. Yeah. The the version of Harkonnen was a, was a pared down kind of sandblasted of the nuance for the sake of the film version, but it fits with the film version just enough. Yeah. 
But yeah, if you're going to, that's one of the places where the nuance would come back if you added the rest of the intrigue and nuance to be able to keep that level. And that's where I'm, I'm holding out some hope and some trepidation about the next part because we didn't see the emperor at all in this. The closest we did was we saw the planet where the Sardaukar are trained, the horrible prison planet. And, and we saw an Imperial Herald, which means we yes. did get a design aspect for them. That's true. We did. We did. It was, so, a lot of, it was a lot of gold trim and regal reds and a lot of circular motif, kind yes. of I'm a, I'm, I'm a perpetual cycle kind of motif going. So they've got some style there already. It's just who they're going to put in as that role. I forgot about that. So yeah, I was going that's to say, a, what's going to be the design signature of the Empire? We got a hint of that. So That's, that's something we got none of in this film, though. What's that? We got none of the Princess Irulan. None. Not a bit. There she was a doesn't even introduce things. There was a mention of the fact that the Emperor has no sons and none of his daughters are married. So you kind of, earlier than in the books, you see Paul starting to think in the direction of setting himself up with a deal for the Emperor. But yeah, no mention of Irulan, no looking back from Irulan's histories. In some ways, instead of that, we get commentary from Johnny, yes. played by Zendaya. And it I think that works because here in 2020... Even in the 1960s, there were parts of this book that were dated, and it was very much a good colonialism versus bad colonialism and a white savior kind of story. And this one is trying to get away from that. So we're seeing more things, and we start from the very beginning with the point of view of, you know, we're living here, and we don't want any of you guys here colonizing us. It makes me wonder if they're going to twist the ending. If they're not giving her as much importance, if they're putting, if they're shifting who's important where, they could divert. They could. They could have Paul figure out some way to take over for the emperor without having to marry one of the emperor's daughters and set himself up to be the next in line. That might work. And it'd be intriguing to see if they do that, because that would really, really shift their potential for the future. But I don't know if they're going to try to do more past the seconds. Maybe so. Who knows? That would be interesting. I think that's going to depend upon whether the second movie is as successful as apparently the first movie has been. Hey. But it was, it was fun. I'm glad we saw it. I'm glad we, we went to a theater. We've gone out to a theater a couple of times with appropriate cautions and, and precautions in, uh, in the last couple of months. And it's, it's good to get back to, into movie theaters. And this is definitely a movie where I'm sure I'll watch it again while it's available on HBO Max. But it's a movie where it's good to see it in huge images and great sound and and also just to be immersed in it, not be tempted to pause to go get a drink or something. Yeah, I mean, you can't make the you can't make thematic snacks the way I got to if you if you go to the, the <laughs> theater, but we're going to be able to watch it again. So we'll be right. able to enjoy both versions, but I'm glad we did. Yep. So there it is. There's something new to watch. Thank you again for supporting on the Patreon. We hope that uh, these little discussions are fascinating. And if you've got comments about the book from our review for past, or if you've read it since then, or if you've gone and watched the movie and you want to talk with us about it, we're happy to hear from you on Twitter or the Discord. But in the meantime, thank you very much. And in the meantime, find something old to watch.